the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Grace and peace to you and welcome to Radio for Real Life with Sean Azaro, the senior pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. A church that exists to help people just like you. Find the real life you were created for and find it to the full. And that's what Jesus promised in John 10.10. And today we'll hear the final message in a series looking at the final week of Jesus' life before the cross and resurrection. And it's called Seven Days. Spoiler alert, here's what this whole thing is about. It's about love. Regardless of our past, we all have a reason to say with absolute certainty, I am loved. You can embrace the hope that comes from the transforming power of love because Jesus took your pain and shame and hurt. Today it's part two of this message called Sometimes Love Hurts. You can follow along with the notes and discussion questions for your own Bible study on the media page for this series, Seven Days, as seen at reallife.org. But if you have a Bible nearby, Pastor Sean is teaching from Matthew 26, and put a marker in Leviticus 16. It's time for Radio for Real Life. You see, I think what we're seeing in the Garden of Gethsemane and then ultimately at the cross, I think we are seeing the greatest instance of love the world has ever seen. I think we're seeing love on display in the most amazing, powerful, even shocking of expressions. In fact, main point, I want you to write this down. It's real simple. If you ever want to know what love looks like, just look at the cross. If you ever want to know what love looks like, look no farther than the cross of Jesus Christ. In fact, Jesus made a statement this is John 15, 13. This is a few hours earlier. He's in that upper room. He's, he's, it's on that night he's betrayed. And he's talking with the disciples in this conversation. Somewhere between that upper room and this garden, this conversation started in the room. It moved. It went on. Jesus says this. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Can you imagine his disciples hearing that? They didn't understand its significance at that moment. But it's a great statement, right? They're like, wow, Jesus, that's awesome. That's tweet-worthy. Jesus, if we had Twitter, we'd tweet that. That's a good good saying. But I don't know if they understood the weight of it yet. Within 24 hours, they would. Can you imagine seeing him on the cross? He's been crucified. He's gone. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Oh, that's what he meant. That's what it looks like you ever want to know what love looks like just look at the cross the most incredible expression of love that's what we're celebrating that's what we're remembering this week we call it holy week because on display for everyone to see is a divine love that surpasses anything any of us could ever imagine a couple ways that that impacts you and i First thing, Jesus loved me enough to take my place. Jesus loved me enough to take my place. You you need to understand, that was rightfully my cross. That was rightfully my judgment, and it was yours too. 
It was ours. I mean, we need, to, we need to make this very personal. Jesus took my place. He took your place. He took our place. You see, sin is one of those things that Scripture says all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. No exceptions. No exceptions. Sin, the definition people kind of go back and forth on, the actually English word sin, supposedly an old archery term, and it meant missing the mark. It meant missing the mark. Of sin, And there's a couple different ways that we kind of miss the mark. Romans 1.18 really gives you kind of the two sides or two different manifestations of sin that are primary in the human condition. Look what it says. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Note those two phrases, godlessness and wickedness. That really is the two faces of sin, the two expressions of sin. Godlessness simply says, there is no God, and even if there is, I don't have to respond to him. I can deny his existence, I can pretend he's not there, and the idea is, you know, in us, there's something in us that wants to be in charge. That's the core of the sin nature is godlessness. And if I can explain him away, if I can pretend he's not there, if I can say in spite of this amazing world with all this stuff that we can't explain, but if I can just say, no, 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 there's no God. This is all an accident. In spite of the fact that the more we know from science, the more technology we have to be able to explore further, it's like more mysteries unfold. It's like, wow. The more we think we know, the less we know. In spite of all that, no, 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 there's no God. Because understand, that is, that is, there's a real motive behind that. It's very logical. Because if I can convince myself there is no God, then I get to be God in my own life. And that's the way I want it, right? I don't want to have to be responsible to some divine creator. I don't want to have to be responsible to the way, live life the way he designed it. I don't want to have to be responsible to that. That's godlessness. Godlessness says, yeah, there is no God, and if there were, I don't want any part of him. I want to do my own thing. That's godlessness. Wickedness is different. Wickedness is evil towards other people. So understand, sin is always relational. It's towards God, towards other people. Wickedness, or godlessness, and wickedness is evil towards other people, hurting other people, sinning against other people. James kind of cuts it to the chase about sin. If anyone's sitting here going, well, you know, I'm not, I'm not godless or wicked, so I'm good. I'm, I'm, I don't need to worry about this whole sin thing. I'm, 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 pretty, I'm pretty much okay. James puts it this way, James 4.17. He says this, if anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. So if you know the right thing to do, if you've ever known, God, I probably should do this, and then done something different, he says, yeah, that's sin. You have sinned. You are a sinner. I just want to say, if you don't think you deserve the cross, you don't understand your sin. You don't understand your sin. Here's the problem with with sin. You know, go back to that idea of missing the mark, okay? Um, We think the mark is other people, and so we carry around this list of people who we're better than. You don't even know you have this list. But if I start to ask you, okay, tell tell me, who are the worst sinners than you that you know? Oh, you could tell me. There's a bunch of them. Oh, yeah, I got the list. Because right away, when you start, to someone says to you, you're a sinner. You have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The wages of your sin is death. Whoa, 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 whoa. Ah, I'm not a sinner. People who really get offended by that. No, 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 no. Because I, I know lots of people worse than me. They think somehow God's grading on a curve. And so they carry the list around. You know, oh, this guy, woohoo, messed up. Oh, this guy's jacked, man. I go, I wouldn't even want to be in his head. It's so screwed up. 
I'm way better than these guys. So God's loving, right? He'll grade on a curve. You need to understand, the mark that we've missed is not between us and some other person. It's not like, well, you know, and you know, you may be right. Maybe those people are more despicable than you. Maybe so. But that's like, okay, here's me and then, or here's them and here's me. Look at, I'm better. Yay, yay. And, and God's like at the top of the Empire State Building or, or beyond. See, that, that's, where, that's, that's holiness. White, hot, pure, righteous, holiness of God. That's the mark. Sin cannot be in his presence. The whole problem is this relationship that's broken because of sin. Jesus took our place. He took my cross, my judgment for my sin and for yours. And so if you, if you think you're not a sinner and you don't need a savior, you don't understand the holiness of God. You don't understand. You're, you're walking in this comparison thing where I'm comparing myself to people who I'm a little better than. And, and oh, okay, yeah, that's true. Maybe you are a little better than, but that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about righteousness, pure righteous before God. Jesus loved me enough to take my place. My sin had incurred judgment for me, and so did yours. And Jesus walked up and pushed us back and said, no, no, Father, I'll pay that penalty. If they'll trust me, if they'll let me do it, I'll I'll pay that penalty for them. Jesus, who knew no sin, so his life was available. He was a sinless sacrifice. He said, I'll pay, I'll pay their penalty, Father. So justice and mercy, justice satisfied in him, mercy extended to you and I. He took our place. Incidental side note, if you ever feel unloved, you just need to kind of look at the cross. You need to remember how much he loved you and how much he's crazy about you. You need, you need to know that. It wasn't just like he had to do this. Well, I'm Jesus. I should probably do this. He loves you passionately. And I need you to know, it's, it's not just, well, of course, God loves everyone because he is love. So, yeah, he's got to throw me in the group, I guess, to be fair. No, he actually loves you. He created you. He likes you. He's crazy about you. He bores the angels to tears with pictures of you. And I can just see him. Oh, here he comes again. Oh, he's going to pull the pictures out. Oh, he's got an iPhone. He's got the whole thing. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> okay, the angel's got a bad rap on that one, but... I just want, I want you to understand, he loves you. He, he likes you. He wants, the whole point, we were created for relationship. When he in, designed you and created you, it was for relationship with him so that we could, he could spend time with you, get to know you, help you develop into the person he created you to be. He loves you. Do you ever want to know what love looks like? Just look at the cross. Second thing, Jesus loved me enough to suffer my pain. Jesus loved me enough to suffer my pain. Imagine the pain of the cross. How many of you guys have seen the movie, The Passion of the Cross? Great movie. If you haven't seen it, you need to. Just very artistic, very wonderfully done depiction of just Jesus, his mission. But then the scenes of the crucifixion, you know, you know. They're, they're graphic. They're real. You feel it. If you want to know the pain that he endured for us. He loved me enough to suffer my pain, but I, I want to suggest to you the physical pain was not the greatest wound. That's not what caused him to sweat great drops like blood. 
It wasn't the physical pain. I want to suggest to you it was the shame and the separation that he knew. He would feel Jesus understood. Jesus understood the, the sacrificial goat. He understood the scapegoat. He understood the pain, the shame, the separation. And let's take a quick minute to remind you, you're listening to Radio for Real Life with Sean Azaro, the senior pastor of River City Community Church in this message called Sometimes Love Hurts which is available right now on the media page at reallife.org. Just look for the series called Seven Days, where there you can even watch a video podcast of this message and series. And if you're looking for a new church home, here's your invitation from Pastor Sean. Do you ever look at your life and feel like you were made for something more? Jesus made a simple statement. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came to give you abundant life, real life. I talk to a lot of people, and many seem to feel like they're settling for a whole lot less. Hi, I'm Sean Azaro, pastor of River City Community Church, and we are so convinced that we were made for something better. We call ourselves a church for real life. I'd like to invite you to join us for one of our weekend gatherings, which are an exciting and artistic blend of music, reflection, and practical insights, all designed to explore the life that God meant for us. River City is located a mile and a half outside of Loop 1604 on Lookout Road across from Otama Park. Service times are Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 9.30 and 11.15 a.m. River City is a church for real life, so our home on the web is reallife.org. To find out more, visit us online at reallife.org. God created you for something very special. Come find out more at River City Community Church. And now the conclusion to this message, Sometimes Love Hurts. This is Radio for Real Life. Interesting passage, Matthew 27, 46. We're told right before this, the entire sky grew dark. The entire sky grew dark. It was like something happened. At the time of day when it should have been light, it got dark. Some meteorological thing happened. Something caused the atmosphere to change. And then Jesus says these words. We read about three in the afternoon. Jesus cried out in a loud voice. Eli, Eli, lemma sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Do you know that's the first time in Scripture that Jesus prayed and didn't refer to God as Father? It's the only time he prayed and did not refer to God as Father. Because he couldn't. He was taking the pain of sin. And separation. Literally the thing that Jesus enjoyed from creation, when he created with Father, that intimacy, that relationship, when he was on earth, he would go and he would pray and he would call out to Father and he would commune with Father. When he taught us to pray, he said, how do you pray? Say, our Father. That intimacy that we were created for, that he enjoyed fully. He had to set it aside because in that moment... He was the sacrifice. All our sin was on him. And God, something happened in the heavenlies where the God who sustains everything and has never turned his face against this creation, God turned away from Jesus. The world got dark for that brief moment. And Jesus bore the sins of all of us and the weight and the separation. And in that moment, it wasn't Father. It was God, the just judge. 
pouring out the wrath of God on sin. See, I think we need to understand that sin always creates pain. It always creates pain. That's one of my deals with, you know, I wrote a blog and talked about it a few weeks ago, talking about boycotts and the stuff. And, you know, in that I, I talk about how I don't think necessarily, I don't think movies have to all just be, you know, pure snow white with no sin in them. Because sin is a part of the human condition. I think art should reflect that somewhat. I said, but what I wanted to do is depict it accurately and real. And I used the example, I said, if, if a, a film depicts adultery, and if it depicts adultery as a harmless little divergence and, or a little diversion and, and, you know, no consequence and it's just fine and it's just a little thing, it's a lie. It's an absolute lie. While it's hard to imagine people being foolish enough to believe that lie, it's there. If, on the other hand, it shows adultery, but it shows the human carnage as a result of adultery, the infidelity. It shows the brokenness. It shows the pain. It shows what happens in people's lives because of that infidelity. I think then it may even have a redeeming quality in depicting the reality of sin. If it's lying about it, of course, deception is deception. It's never helpful. When I was a youth pastor, I remember, you know, you, you talk to kids about sin, right? Well, they've got the whole world talking to them about how awesome sin is and how wonderful it is. And their friends, oh, your parents, they're just, you know, they're just, you know, afraid to let you do anything, afraid to let you have fun. Oh, your youth pastor, well, he's whacked, obviously. Come on, you know. And so it's just like, you're like trying to just out shout all the other voices. What I wanted to do is bring someone, some 60-some-year-old person who'd really lived a life of sin. Now, this is a hard invite. I never really could get, you know, the guts up because I knew people who fit the bill, who'd lived a life of sin and had some really negative consequences. But you don't want to go and say, would you be my, you know, illustration of a really miserable life? Thank you. I want to bring you in and just have you talk to my kids. Kind of a scared straight for sin, right? But I mean, just, I, I want them to hear from someone because when you're, when you're just starting out and you're flirting with things and messing around. It's like you haven't yet sown the, you've sown the seeds, you're sowing the seeds, you haven't reaped the harvest. That's where the pain is. And you always reap the harvest. You sow a seed, you reap a harvest. That's the law. The law of the harvest. And I would love to hear them see the heartbreak in a person. And I had multiple examples I could have asked who had lived a life of sin and brokenness and had kids and spouses and brokenness and careers lost and financial ruin and all the garbage that just heaps on because of continually thumbing your nose at a God of creation and saying, I'll do it my way, I'll do it my way. I'd love to be able to have for them an honest conversation with someone who did it their way and let them see the pain, let them feel it, because sin always yields pain. The pain of death, the pain of separation. Always. Don't let the abundance of grace in the gospel dull your awareness to the seriousness and the pain of sin. It's not a game. If it were a game, you think we'd need the cross? Think God would have put his son through all that? If you ever want to know what love looks like, just look at the cross. Last thing, and I'll wrap with this, but this may be the coolest part, okay? 
Jesus did love me enough to take my place. He loved me enough to suffer my pain, but number three, and listen to this, Jesus loved me enough to give me his place. To give me his place. He took my place, took my pain, but he loved me enough to give me his place. That's the lesson of the scapegoat. The lesson of the scapegoat is, man, our sin is gone. The sacrificial goat, we understand the penalty's been paid, but the scapegoat leaving the camp, being taken to a place where he could not come back, our sin is removed. The scripture uses the phrase that our sin has been cast into the sea of forgetfulness. It's been removed from us so far, as far as the east is from the west. That's the significance. You know, when that scapegoat was leaving the camp, there was a party, that was a celebration. Our sin is held against us no more. So, you know, when we come before God, we who are followers of Jesus Christ, we who've repented and turned our lives over to him and said, Father, I want you in my life. You know, we come to him and say, Lord, I'm coming to you. I know I'm always like this. You remember when I talked to you about this sin and I did this? And God's like, hmm, yeah, it's not ringing a bell. No, no, remember the, the big thing, you know, the thing. And he's like, no, mm-mm. And you're like, God, you're omniscient, hello. He's like, yeah, read the scripture. I'm also omnipotent, and when I choose to forget something of my own will, I do it. And I have chosen to forget your sin because I forgave it. When I look at your sin, it's not like God doesn't know and couldn't list the thing. But when when he looks at that, he sees, oh, I see the redemption of Jesus Christ. I see him. I see Jesus. Look at what he sees. Look what he sees. He says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that we might believe, we might become the righteousness of God. He looks at us and he sees the righteousness of God. You see, our sins with the scapegoat, it's gone. All the sin, all the ugliness, all the pain, the penalty, gone. That's the power of Jesus Christ and his cross for those who will trust him and will believe we became the righteousness of God because he became sin for us. We're sons and daughters. Because of him, I'm righteous because of him. God looks at me and sees someone who is righteous. I'm a son because of him. We're sons and daughters because of Jesus. He gave us his place. I can call God Father because of Jesus. He was the only one who was righteous. He was the only one who was a son. He was the only one who could call God Father. Yeah, well, he allowed us to take his place. Because of his sacrifice on the cross, because of the forgiveness of sin, we are brought back in the fold, back in the family, because our our Lord, our Savior, our friend, and yes, our older brother Jesus made it possible. Because of him, we receive an inheritance, the scripture says. We take his place. But it wasn't without cost. Remember, remember this Hebrews chapter 9, beginning at verse 11. When Christ came as high priest of the good things that are now already here, he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that's not made with human hands. That is to say, it's not a part of this creation. He's saying Jesus became the high priest. Took Aaron's place, whereas Aaron went through the tabernacle on earth he said jesus went through a different tabernacle 
He did not enter by the means of the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once and for all by his own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption. The blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled on those who are ceremonially unclean sanctify them so that they are outwardly clean. How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from the acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God. For this reason, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant that those who are called may listen, receive the promised eternal inheritance now that he's died as a ransom to set them free from the sin committed under the first covenant. See, the day of atonement was a story with three players, a priest and two goats. Jesus took the place of all three so that we could be sons and daughters. You ever want to know what love looks like? Just look at the cross. Just look at the cross. I just want to say, real quickly, if you're here, it sounds like, oh man, that's amazing. But you've never accepted Christ. I just want to say, why not? Why not? Some of you might be like, well, you know, I got this thing in my life and I, got, I know I got to get it cleaned up and then, then I'll come to God. It'll be all great. Have you been listening? If you're here and you think you can clean it up enough to impress God, where you're going to get it cleaned up, he's going to go, oh, yeah, I want that guy. Come on up here. You sit by me. If, if you think that, if that's what you're thinking, you've missed it. The point is none of us can clean it up enough. We don't have to. Jesus did it for us. That's Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Radio for Real Life. And if you'd like to hear this full message called Sometimes Love Hurts or this whole series on the final seven days of Jesus' life before the resurrection, it's available right now on demand at reallife.org. But of course, you're invited to visit and join us at River City Community Church located on Lookout Road right behind Rotama Park with service times on Saturday nights at 5 and Sunday mornings at 9.30 and 11.15. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262. As Radio for Real Life is a service of River City Community Church. And we hope you join us again next time for more Real Life. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.